I'm going to be honest. I don't have a quote for this one. This week on the show, American History X. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie To the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, the dirty white boy Rick Barrasso, and I, your co-host, the big American history ex Boski. Yeah, it was stupid. Yeah, the jokes are not going to land today. There's not going to be a lot of good <laughs> yeah, jokes in this yeah. one. Yeah, I was like, oh, what quote can I do? No, no, yeah, this no, is no, this not, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we're going to watch every single movie ever made, and we are going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing excellent. Uh, so today we are definitely watching a very, uh, a different, not a fun movie. Let's say an unfun it's a po- movie. It's, I think it's a powerful movie. It's a powerful movie, but I, it's uh, not usually this type of stuff that we talk about. But let's uh, let's take care of some business first. Last week, uh, we had our episode on The Thing, a fun episode, an incredibly fun movie. Check that one out. Uh, and you can find us, of course, or any of our library, for that matter, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, whatever app you happen to use for downloading podcasts. Subscribe, review if you can. It's, it's super helpful for the show. And, of course, if you enjoyed this episode, if you have anything else you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook at great movie cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and rec on Instagram. And you can always shoot us an email at greatest at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our old friend, our dearest pen pal that we had when we were children, Bruce Wayne would say, Is that what Bruce would say? I guess so. (laughs) As our old friend Bruce Wayne would say, tell your friends about us. But let's uh, let's just go watch American History X. We're not doing quotes here. This is that would feel sort of inappropriate, but we'll uh, talk more about it as we go along. Uh, American History X is a 1998 crime drama directed ish by David McKenna. Uh, it stars Ed Norton as Derek Vineyard, Edward Furlong as Danny Vineyard, Avery Brooks as Bob Sweeney, Feruza Bach as Stacy, and Stacy Keach as Cameron, and of course, even Suppley as Seth. Uh, it made $23.9 million on a $20 million budget, so not a hit. Uh, it has an 8.5 on IMDb, an 83% in Rotten Tomatoes, and Metacritic, of course, 62%. Metacritic. What is what's going on? What's going on, Metacritic? I don't know. They're like the Simon Cowell of a bunch. Yes, the the, the Russian judge, like Metacritic. Uh, Ebert. He liked it three out of four. The film is always interesting and sometimes compelling, and it contains more actual provocative thought than any American film on race since Do the Right Thing. 
Michael O'Sullivan of the Washington Post says, arrestingly photographed and boasting another intelligent and muscular performance by the chameleon-like Edward Norton, American History X is good. There's an exclamation point at the end of that, so I wanted to get that across. Uh, For a negative one, Susan Stark of the Detroit News says, the tone is so muddled and that there's a whiff of exploitation in this movie that is unsettling at best. So, Derek, you picked this movie. I did. Tell us a little bit about your history of this movie and why you wanted to talk about it. Yeah, I'll give you a little bit of my history X on this movie. I, um, Boom. I, oh, man, these jokes aren't landing. Um, I just threw a I tomato on my computer screen. <laughs> I think I felt it. I don't remember specifically the day I watched it, but I remember it had a really big impact on me. I remember... I had never really seen anything that gritty and in my face before. I had seen like, you know, fantasy things and I'd seen action and I'd seen war, but this just hit on a different level because I was young and I was a little bit unfamiliar with racism. You know, you kind of learn about it as you get older. And I had never really seen it in real life because I grew up in a town that was, you know, predominantly white. And it just, I didn't see racism up front. Um, however, this movie, it, it just did something to me, not, not just because of the tone and because of what it's about, but also it's really well made in my opinion. And I know it's kind of muddy as to like who takes credit for making this movie at this point. <laughs> but I remember being like, this is a movie I want to watch again. And I, I think I went out and did Newbury comics and I, I bought the DVD uh, along with a bunch of other ones. I think I just, I usually, I used to go there just about like 15 at a time. And this was one of them. The good the old movie, days. The good old days. This movie has always stayed with me as just like a really, uh, just great performances, a very, very difficult uh, theme to talk about. But in the past, I had shown people this movie and it was just mainly to see like how they felt about it, if they liked it. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I watched it again last night and, me and Gia had a d- good conversation about it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was just looking up some videos just now and some react reaction videos and stuff like that to see how people felt about it. But um, yeah, it's a movie that's always been with me. And I'd say that if I were to rank my top movies of all time, it would probably be fitted somewhere in the top 20. Well, spoilers upcoming for our season finale in, in, a, in a few months here. Uh, it'll, gonna... it'll, be, it'll, it'll be ranked pretty high on my list, okay. I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, I mean, this is a movie that is, um, yeah, I mean, we, we grew up in the same town and, you know, you see certainly I, you know, I witnessed racism, you know, we grew up in a predominantly Italian American town, like not a lot of minorities and, you know, those words are thrown around. And I, I certainly uh, you know, witnessed that kind of thing, but this is, it, it was never overt. I, I feel like it was always like, look around, make sure no one's around N word. Like that's, you know, okay. the, I wasn't, the, I, that's wicked. Maybe, maybe it was more one-offs for you, but I wasn't around it much. And you know, I didn't really hear that word often until way later in life. I feel like, um, I mean, I, who are you hanging with, Rick? No, I was kidding. <laughs> I did. I was on the football team. Let's let's say that. Okay. So you know, you never, and it, it kind of became, you know, obviously before the 
incredible increase in overt white supremacy we've been seeing recently mm-hmm. it's it kind of became like a joke like shocking like you know this person's a nazi that was the n-word we were talking about right oh, oh that, that's oh, yeah, what okay, i assumed yeah, yeah okay, no, okay no um yeah it's like oh so and so is a nazi and it was just like looking back on it it's like you know kids trying to be shocking but it's like you know watching it now maybe if i watched this movie in high school or younger i would have you know had a different reaction to it than i have now but you know or when i was in college when i first watched it and i sort of was like hmm like having it thrown in your face like that's kind of a different level than we have experienced and did, did, to... did you see this in high school because i want to say that i may have seen this first in high school uh, no i think i saw it like i mean maybe senior year of high school because Gia was surprised. She's like, wait a minute. They actually showed you this movie in school. I'm like, I oh, kind no, of not feel- in school. No, no, no. Like, okay. I'm like age. My memory just, I feel like I saw it in school, but I guess I didn't. I saw some other movies, but maybe I didn't see this one specifically in school, but it was definitely in high school. I, I mean, maybe there, it's certainly like it. I don't know. I, I, if you, it feels like it's too, I feel like there'd be a lot of uh, people complaining about this. If their kids pe- yes. saw this in school. A lot of people, I, I would imagine, complaining. But hell, my 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 fa- I couldn't even get my father to finish it. I was sat with him back in the day, and halfway through it, he was like, "I think I'm done." And I was like, "Oh, okay." You know, like for me, like I have to finish a movie. People, people who I know who like skip through things and skip through scenes, I'm just like, watch the thing. Yeah, but I I, mean, you know, Jen came into the room while I was watching this, and she basically said, "Like, I understand it's well made, but it's just not pleasant. Like, why would I even watch this?" when it just like it's like it just makes me feel bad like that's you know we kind of had a conversation it's like well you know different movies designed to do different things but it's like why do i want to put myself through something unpleasant you know it's like i didn't really have an answer for it like yeah i guess you could say that i mean i think that gia felt the same not that this is the same similar movie but no country for old men sure after the main character you know what happens there she was just kind of like why do i care anymore you know, that sure. kind of thing. But with this movie, I get it. It's like if, if this is something that's just like very, it's very and again, even for people like me who really enjoy the movie, I also find it disturbing. But I think that's what attracts me to it, because it shows me something that's there in society for me to watch and to see. And I think that's why it's an important movie to watch for people is like this kind of opens people's eyes to like maybe you've been sheltered a lot, but this is stuff that happens out there. Yeah. So let's talk about what actually happens in the movie. You might be saying, if you haven't seen it, go see it and come back to us. But you might be saying, what is so disturbing about this movie? We're going to tell you, Derek, uh, do you just time me down on this? Do you have a song? I, I'm going to just give you a time or two. Okay. I think I think anything I play is going to be somewhat and yes. somehow distasteful, no matter, even if it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to play this song. Like, oh, that's yeah. bad. So we're going to put 30 seconds on the clock and we are going to tell you what happens, or I am going to tell you what happens uh, in... Three, two, one, go. Reformed white supremacist Derek Vineyard is released from jail after killing a group of black men who were stealing his car. His younger brother, Danny, is going down the same path as Derek, so the ex-convict goes to work and helping him get out of that life that he has to principal his school who also loved Derek. Derek tells Danny about his experience in prison, including being sexually assaulted by the white supremacist gang on the inside. The brothers begin to move on with their lives, but Danny is killed by a black student who he had hassled previously in the movie. All right, 24 seconds. It was a quick one. It was a quick one. Let's talk about what we like in this movie. And uh, favorite scenes seems uh, not quite 
not not quite what we're uh, well, when you, when you, we like. say fav- we say favorite scenes. We're not like sitting there saying like, "Oh my god!" Like I love this 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 white on black crime or whatever. It's just it, for for. I mean, I think Rick and I got into Save this whole show. We we got into the show in general because we we enjoy cinema and we like camera shots and we like the way things look and the music. And so, I mean, when we say favorite scenes, these are the scenes that we think are the best in the film. Yeah. So, what is your number three favorite scene? This is a little bit of a cop-out, but I think my number three is sort of like the whole prison sequence. Um, I think that the movie starts to take a big turn here and starts to show you the real uh, humanization of somebody. You know, you know, Derek Vineyard is an absolute 100% racist. And when he gets to prison, number one, he's trying to find friends. And number two, he's trying to survive. And he does end up finding, you know, Aryan guys this gang this this white supremacist gang and what he finds out is that he's a little bit too preachy for them they're not re- they're also in there to survive you know they 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 have connections with hispanic inmates and, and african-american inmates and stuff and, and derek just doesn't like it and he's a little bit too preachy about it and then meanwhile he's he's sort of slowly befriending an african-american who's really funny and you know makes him laugh and it's it's sort of a weird thing where you're like how can somebody be so racist and, and, and it's for instance, like, like if you, if you were to ask a neo-Nazi, like, you know, or, or, or show him some, like some comedy by a black man. And they're just like, this is not funny to me. I, I don't believe it. I think that like funny is funny. And I watched a YouTube video right before this of a neo-Nazi uh, rally March. And there was a black man there who was, I guess was the son of a preacher. And he went up to the neo-Nazi and was like, why do you hate me? And the guy had no answer. So he's like, I could have punched him in the face, but I didn't. I gave him a hug. And the guy hugged me back. So like, for me, he's like, it was like, if you punch somebody in the face, are they going to learn? Or are they going to be more angry? But if you give them a hug, they could change things a little bit. He's not saying that hugs are going to, he's not saying that love can absolutely destroy hate, but I get where he's coming from is like, do you really have any reason to hate me personally? And I thought it was a really powerful message. And when Derek is, is folding the laundry with, with the, the, the black inmate. Um, he learns to like, like him. He's a nice guy. It doesn't matter what the, the pigmentation of his skin is. He's a person and he's a funny person and he's a good person and it changes the whole story. And then of course, Derek gets raped, uh, <laughs> which just takes another dip, but Derek survives prison because of his, his friend. And it's a great scene, especially at the end when he's leaving and he's like, you know, you're the only reason why I'm getting out of here alive. And it, it's true. It's like, it's just people. It's it. Who cares about skin color and pigmentation? They're just we're just at the at the very at the very uh, bottom of it. We're just we're just all made of blood and muscle and bones, and that's it. It doesn't matter what our, the pigmentation of our skin is. So I think it makes sense that like Derek's like, yeah, of course I like this guy, and he realizes that this it's he's 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 getting to the point where he's like, this isn't right. He and later on in the movie, he's like, you know, I'm going like this just so my family will be okay. But I think mostly he knows that it's bullshit. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, my number three scene is like a bit more specific, but it's contained within there that, you know, I had any of the scenes with Derek and Lamont, the uh, the black inmate, yep. uh, who you refer to folding laundry and getting to know each other and being friends and that sort of thing, because it's like a little bit of humor, a little bit of like lightness in this otherwise pitch dark, like miserable sequence of of Derek being in jail. But yeah, I mean, to, to your point, you know, it, 
it, it goes to show that, and this movie in general goes to show that, you know, referring to the guy who you know went to the white supremacist rally and you know gave the gave the white supremacist a hug, you know, there's certain people that probably don't really believe it. You know, it, yeah. it's mm-hmm. you know look at Ed Furlong in this movie where it's like, is he he's not really a racist? He, like he doesn't he doesn't like express any racist tendencies unless he's like goaded into it right and he's like but he's already down the past path and that's why the, the principal really you know takes an interest in him it's like you don't really believe this shit i think it's i think in, in the first scene he asks him, like you don't I, I think it goes to show that like you know maybe that hate is born out of i just need to fit into my surroundings yeah you know and people right. do people do what they need to be accepted in their own groups yeah yeah and especially the way like where they grew up like in california like that specific town like the boardwalk it's a mixture of all different types of people and i think that for some reason you know danny obviously had to choose a side and and whatever but i feel like you could get by not choosing a side so i feel like it was just mainly and again is this movie all about influence i mean he was in derek was influenced by his father and danny was influenced by derek you know and it just right. goes down the line i mean it's possible that like danny's younger sister might grow up and be like could have been like oh danny's this so i'm gonna be this sure so it, it, it's influence and it's it's an odd thing it's just an odd thing yeah. to be influenced and, and i almost feel i mean we'll get to that scene later with the with the dad and everything but sure it's uh, I don't know. It, it's. I think you're right, though. The scenes with Lamont in prison, they're just they, they they have this like sort of like hope in a bottle, right? You know what I mean. So I enjoy them. So what is your uh, what's your number two scene? Uh, so my number two is actually a tie, um, and I'll just bring up the the scene right now with the father, the flashback. This so my tie is is, is taking down the 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 Nazi memorabilia and posters right into Danny talking about the the scene with his father because they go right into one another. And I think it's a really powerful moment right before the climax of the movie and right over the hump of the movie. So it's right nestled between there, these two scenes. And after Derek, you know, tells Danny about his experiences in prison, Danny understands. He understands. Maybe Danny's not a hundred percent like, you're right. I'm not this anymore. It's that's not that easy. You can't just wash away something like that. As we see when Derek's taking a shower, you know, the one thing that's not washed away is that swastika on his chest that is still there for life, you know? And, but that scene where they take down the Nazi memorabilia and they realize this is all we had on our wall. The wall was just empty. There was nothing else. There was no other influence besides this thing. And it was it was pretty pretty crazy to see. And then, you know, Derek goes to take a shower. Danny finishes up his report and he's thinking, when did this really start? He's like, because Derek thinks that this started when my father died, but it really started before that. And when they're having this really like white bread family dinner or whatever, it's right. very happy go lucky. Everyone's got like shaggy hair and everyone looks kind of goofy. And you know the the you know Derek brings up that he's doing some report on a book by his principal who happens to be black and it's about a black man. And the father does not really take a liking to that. And he just kind of shows Derek that, you know, I'm a racist basically in so many words. And it's, it's a really powerful scene in the, and specifically because Derek's like, Oh, you know, I never thought about it that way. Derek's not like, Oh, you're right. I believe. Yes. But he's starting to be molded very slowly. And the scary part about the scene is when you, the, the camera shoots over to Danny and Danny's looking at Derek, listening to his father. It's just right down the totem pole. Right. 
you know, and just Danny watching this thing and he's so innocent looking, you know, it's like you can grab this kid and you can mold him into a racist. And I love the line in the movie where the principal's like, he learned this and he can unlearn it. Yeah. And it's absolutely true. I mean, you'd like to think so, but it's, it's difficult to unlearn something once it's ingrained in there. I, I think and, the older you get, it's definitely harder. You know, it's, it's one of those things where like, you can't sure. teach a new dog, an old dog, new tricks or whatever, but you know. Right. And, and, and one thing I like about that scene with the dad is that it shows like, again, you know, you say you didn't really have, you know, experience racism growing up. It's like, well, you know, I kind of did, you know, for, from some people that I've known, that kind of language like no i don't recall anyone ever using the like n-word hard r n-word right in front of me like uh, like the father from boy meets world did in this movie which was hilarious but the sort of like coded this type of music like why do they do you know why do they dress like this why can't they be respectful they're different this that and the other you know how many times in this movie do you hear like oh they're like sucking up our welfare like that stuff sorry everybody turn on fox news like that's this sort of rhetoric has been pumped into the world of like you know what is racism as and there's overt racism certainly and i'm not you know this is just my experience in observing it and you know understanding we have the privilege not to experience it on a daily basis but like from what i've seen this sort of like under these coded messages of like you know and there's there's so many for black people jewish people for for anybody and you know you don't have to use a slur to like out yourself as a racist and even if i i almost think it's a bit too gratuitous to have them say like you know n-word shit it it almost doesn't need it because it's like he's already giving that message Yep. And it's just the next step is more overt. Yeah. And then by then you, you know, you start listening to fucking Stacy Keach and you're, you're rolling down the hill. And the one thing about Stacy Keach's character, that's a little scary. And I, I always, I always took this away is that when Derek's there to basically be like, I'm out. Um, he says, Oh, I know you gave up that skinhead shit years ago. Yeah. Meaning, meaning like the skinhead is like the first, like now you're being molded. And now you can just grow your hair back and now you're just you're just you're just thrown into society and nobody really even we knows. You as a possible vice president in this company is basically what he's saying. Right, like, right. It's 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 scary and stuff. And like the way he throws around words too, like at the end of the movie we found out found out that Stacey Keach's character and um Ethan Suplay's character get like injured or whatever. They're together in a car, but early in the movie he calls him the fat kid. Right. So he like doesn't even call him by his name. It's like they're just like little insects to him. It's just, um, it's just like, yes, yeah, the banality of evil. It's like, if you saw him walking through the supermarket, you know, he's not wearing it outwardly, you know, like his, you know, like those skinheads as he refers right. to exactly like they're beneath him in the same way that, you know, they see other races beneath them. Yep. It's, you know, he, he just thinks, you know, I'm the fucking, I'm the big dog. You know, I'm the guy who just runs this shit. Like that's, it's a, you know, and, I, and you see so much of this again in like today's political discourse. It's like there are certain people you see them on TV, and it's like you don't believe this. 
Right. You don't. You don't. You don't. And even if you do, the people that you're influencing are, you know, like, look at, look at fucking Donald Trump. Like, you know, go right ahead. Like, bring him up, of course. But, like, he doesn't believe personally the shit he says. If he went, imagine Donald Trump goes to just hang out with the average, like, one of his supporters. That's it's the same thing. You see it in real life all the time. These fucking suits. So are you saying that you don't you don't believe that Donald Trump is a racist? Oh, I think he is, but I think he also thinks he's better than his own supporters. Right. He definitely does. Yeah. He like. Yeah, I, I, it's I'm I'm trying to to reel it in. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. I'm I get trying, it. I, I know. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to do the same. same. Yeah, but it's the same. It's the same bullshit. It's the same bullshit, and that's. I, I, I the, love. I, I don't. I don't know. Like, I, I love how he gets insulted. So insulted when Derek calls him my fucking chicken hawk. Yeah, it's one of my favorite insults in the entire movie. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it's because, of course, it like it hits so hard for him, and he freaks out yeah. because that's exactly what it is. He's he's picking fights in the neighborhood. I don't recall seeing him there in the uh, either raid on the supermarket. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and then of course Derek brings up the fact that like Cameron really didn't even do time. He rolled over, and two kids yeah, took it for him. Of course, so he just preys on people. Bones and first. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, my number two scene because we're that that spiral a little bit is the is actually right after the scene you just brought up where yeah, we'll might as well loop it in. It's the scene where Derek and Cameron, Stacey Keach's character, uh, have that sort of blowout. I'm out. You can't be out. This is in the Boy Scouts. Uh, to when he leaves and like Ethan Supley and Fariza Bach are like threatening him, calling him the N word when he was just their hero 10 minutes before. Exactly. uh, If not shorter, it's just very intense and it, it gets to, you know, I don't care what happens to me, like get, you know, get Danny out of here, you know, literally putting himself between like, it's, it's a very compelling scene. And it's just, you know, one of those things where it's, I think, very important to Danny, where he sees that, like, oh, this is not a family. These people have turned on him immediately. And that's before he even hears the story of being in prison. So I think it's a very, obviously, consequential scene in the movie as well. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you have for number one? My number one is the dinner scene with Elliot Gould. I think the scene is the one that I always think about when I'm thinking about this movie, that one comes to mind first, because it's very powerful. And the way it goes kind of, it's kind of topsy-turvy. It kind of starts off with some light banter at the dinner table. Then they get into start talking about Rodney King, which things get a little bit heated. There's disagreements at the table and it kind of spirals out of control when Derek really talks about what he's into and his sister disagrees with him. Obviously his girlfriend takes his side. It's just a big fight around the table. Elliot Gould's character is Jewish and Derek brings that up, uh, calls him some bad words, things like that. And it gets pretty heated to the point where, you know, Derek is, 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 is basically injuring his sister and shoving food in her mouth. And it's a very intense scene and, you know, rips, you know, rips his shirt off, shows him the, the, the tattoo. And he's like, this means not welcome. And it's really brutal. And everyone's getting beat up in the scene. And, you know, when, you know, when Elliot Gould leaves the house and, and, and Beverly D'Angelo's character has to follow and stuff. And 
it comes to a head in this 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 whole thing is when Beverly D'Angelo comes back in and she's like, I'm ashamed that you came out of my body. That guttural sort of yell at him is like, you know, it's it's weird too to think that like her husband, she saw that her husband was racist. I mean, she heard him say sure. the things he said. He's right across the table. But I guess her husband didn't take it to the point, obviously, that Derek did, which is like, I'm taking action here. Right. And it's, you know, and then, you know, his sister comes back in with a bat and she's he's like, I, 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 I would never hurt you, you know that. He's like, I'm a good guy for my family. And it's just after the scene, I always have to get up and like pause it and stretch and like go pee. <laughs> and like just walk around and i remember walking back in the room and being like to gia like that's wow that scene and she's like i know it's like so intense um it's just so well directed and and, uh, and the, the the black and white sequences i think it makes it even better because it's like you know what's the past and it it looks kind of grainy and stuff um but i think that's the best scene in the movie as far as just acting intensity you know we'll talk about edward norton later but he his transformation as this character Derek vineyard is 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 amazing it really is. I mean, he's he. You think of Edward Norton as just like gangly, skinny kid, yeah. but he's just like this 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 bull in this movie, and he's he's captivating on screen, whether you whether you believe him or not, as far as what he's saying, and like you know. Uh, but that's my favorite scene in the movie, I think. Yeah, I actually have the same same scene, the dinner scene, and I think just to single out a specific point, it's when the uh, the boyfriend there uh, brings up they're going back and forth and it's just like, you know, Derek mentioned something of the, the, to the effect of like, Oh, black people have had this many generations to like pull out. And he's like, well, you know, surely like you don't think Jewish people like shouldn't feel persecuted. They've been persecuted for 5,000 years. And Ed Norton just gives this like smirk. It's a little like, hmm. And he's like, he's not to the point yet. Like he will be in a couple minutes of like openly being racist towards this guy. But he's like, yeah, fuck your people as well. Right. And that's, you, you see him earlier in the movie, just be like, you know, when Danny's starting to go down the road, he's just like, no, the whole family's helpless. Fuck them. And that little smirk is like, oh, I completely understand why he feels that way. But I just love that little part. But the whole scene is just a phenomenal. And it's it's funny because it's like, in in my reading, it's like that's one of the scenes that Ed Norton was like, no, that has to be in there. And the, and the yeah. original director was like, nope, that d- don't need it. No, you do. You definitely do. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I know Edward Norton is is known for being kind of a difficult actor to work with, but I think when he has a vision, he needs to do it, or else he's pulling out. Yeah, I I think Ed Norton. It, it's funny because if, when he's in a movie with someone with a very clear vision. David Fincher, you know, um, Wes Anderson, you know, name it for like all these, all, all the sort of big directors he's, he's been directed by at that point. He's like, yeah, no, I, you're in control. I have it. Where, right. where as if maybe the vision is unclear or, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like a certain personality trait that he looks for. He's just gonna be like, nope, I'm taking this shit over. And that's yeah. where his, difficulty comes from because he like doesn't suffer bullshit from his um, I'm, I'm i'm certain that's probably why a good reason why he's not now in the marvel movies as the incredible hulk <laughs> yes well i mean there, there are certain people where it's like looking at something like marvel that's so huge it's kind of, you have to sometimes you know in any collaboration of any kind both sides gonna have to eat shit at some point 
And I don't think Ed Norton was prepared to eat the amount of shit he would need to for his movies to fit into a massive, you know, universe. Right. He's going to want, you know, I think, I think Downey Jr. ended up having that sort of power on the later Avengers movies, but Ed Norton wasn't there yet. Cause nobody could really visualize what it was going to be, but that's right. been our Marvel talk for the week. Yep. Well, so let's go to what's your, what's your least favorite part about this movie? You know, it's funny. And, and I hope I don't get shit for this from people, but I don't find a whole lot of flaws in this movie. Cause I think it does what it set out to do a little bit, even though that we know that like there were problems with the director and Edward Norton, even Edward Furlong, had his opinions as well and it kind of the movie got a little bit convoluted as far as the director's vision but i don't have a lot to say about like what i didn't like about this because i i think that the whole journey of the movie is is what it's supposed to be the one thing i guess is like was it completely necessary to have danny killed at the end that's i guess like my 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 question in the worst category not that i think it's the worst but like you're finally getting to a point where you're like and as the viewer like you know what these kids these people are starting to learn that this is not a correct thing to know and to learn and they can they can unlearn it and stuff and then it has to go there at the end it has to go there and does it no i i i i agree with that i think having danny die is one thing but having it be a black student that kills him is it makes the whole thing almost entirely like nihilistic. Right. Like, it, it totally does. Yeah. Like there is no redemption for these, for these characters, basically like they, right. you know, even someone like Danny, who's like just a kid, there's no way that, that Derek's going to get over it. You know, does Derek slide back into his bullshit? Right. Right. I remember reading something about like after the credits, they were going to have a scene where like he puts the, the Nazi poster back up or something like that. I forget it was something like that, but I guess my question is, well, Danny doesn't even really slight that kid. Like he, what does he do? He blows smoke in his face. Yeah. He doesn't do anything to him. He actually does. He goes out of his way, not to almost, unless you can see it as symbolism of like, I'm better than you blowing smoke in your face. Yeah. But I, mean, like, I think, I think it's probably. And that's going to be a gang initiation. It could be something like that, but it could also be. Like it, he he might I mean they're in this school together they probably you know I'm sure all the minority kids in the school know that's the Nazi kid right that's the kid with a fucking Nazi tattoo so right. it's probably a pre-existing thing and you know I feel like the message of the movie having to get killed is like you can never go home again like you're fucked like the second you you know there's no redemption there's nothing right right and. It even doesn't really play into Derek's story because I feel like if he if Danny had to die, then it would have been better to have you know Ethan Suplet kill him or something like that. Right, right, right. To, to be like, you know, this is Derek's punishment for getting too deep in it, and it just it doesn't fit. I feel like with the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's it's sort of just kind of is there, and it's like you know, it's funny. Like I said before, like my, when I showed my dad the movie. He, halfway through he couldn't finish it and stuff like that and after the week after we shut it off he goes well what happens in the rest of the movie and i kind of tell him like the jail stuff which is great scenes yeah i wish he did watch and then i was kind of like yeah at the end you know danny gets killed by a black kid and he's like 
like you know like almost like well why you know what i mean like I, i'm kind of glad i didn't see that you know so it is like oh did this have to end this way and then of course danny ends with the the abraham lincoln line and it's like ah, oh, it comes full circle but it's like right. it makes me think that Derek goes back because of this because it's again it's all about what i said before that 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 youtube video that i watched where that black man went out of his way to hug a neo-Nazi to be like, I'm not going to physically harm you. I'm going to hug you and see if that changes you. Anger. I feel like if you, if you punch them, it's just going to make them more angry. Derek's younger brother is killed by a black kid. Right. That would just make Derek more angry again. Right. Right. You know? So it's just, it's full circle. We go, it's like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like a, it goes into a 180. I mean, I'm not a 180, a 360 really, but I don't know. 50, 720. Yeah, I don't know. It just pulls a 900. Tony Hawk style. It pulls a 900. All right, let's go to medals. Who is your bronze medal winner? My bronze goes to Beverly D'Angelo. I'd known her specifically for the Christmas Vacation movie, the vacation movies and stuff. And uh, I love seeing Bearing my Al Pacino's children. I mean, she, she... yeah, I mean, it, it, the biggest thing Beverly Daniels ever done is bear Al Pacino's twins. But as far as acting Marion goes, the little <laughs> Pacini. I mean, I think I think they should have gotten married. Beverly Beverly Pacino would have been just great. But I, I just would love... actually take her last name. I'd be Al D'Angelo. <laughs> Al D'Angelo. Yes, I'm a nice guy. I loved seeing her in this dramatic role, and like I said before, that guttural way she says, you know, I, I'm. You know, I, I'm upset that you came out of my body. Like that type of stuff is like, wow. And like, she plays a kind of a big part in this movie because she's sort of like the matriarch, but she's weak because Derek's now taken over the family and she's, you know, she's coughing up a storm. She's smoking. And then she like, there's a quick scene where she like opens her tissue and Derek like sees. And like, I'm pretty sure they're meant for her to have like some sort of lung cancer or something, yeah. which m- means to me that like after Danny dies, she probably dies. And then Derek has to take care of the two, do- the two sisters and right. if Derek goes back to the way he was, you know, the the older sister's getting out of there because she doesn't believe in any of that stuff. Right. And all the only the only person left to 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 you know to teach is the youngest girl, and that's not fair. But I think I I would love to see Beverly D'Angelo in more serious dramatic things because I really enjoyed her in this one. Yeah, no, my, she's uh, she's my bronze medal winner as well. She has I feel like the two really great scenes: the dinner scene and then. That scene we haven't talked about when she is the only one to go visit Derek in prison. Yep. And, you know, they have this whole thing where she's asking him to to help. And it just shows, you know, Derek's so far gone that, like, even his mother asking him is, is not going to do anything. Right. Uh, but, yeah, just, uh, just a great performance. And, you know, I love when you see a comedic actor do drama and dra- dramatic actor do comedy and vice versa. You know, walk in both worlds. So. Great yeah. job, Beverly D'Angelo. Also, I don't know if you heard this. She uh, she bore Al Pacino's children. Let's just say that one more time. Beverly D'Angelo she, bore Al Pacino's yes. children. Yes, they were never married, but she had Al Pacino. Beverly D'Angelo, they 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 had coitus, and she we had banged all night. <laughs> Me and Marianne got around got around about seven. <laughs> We're going to get to the devil's advocate at some point and have a lot of fun with that one. But um, yeah, she's great. And so was Al Pacino. 
somehow this bronze just became about Al Pacino. <laughs> we had to get him in here somehow. Uh, so who's your who's your silver? Who's your silver? Uh, my silver is uh, Edward Furlong. Uh, I really really liked his uh, performance in this movie. I think this was the first time I've ever seen him in a movie. I- I've seen The Terminator. You know, I've seen bits and pieces of it. I- I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen the full. Uh, Terminator. Uh, it's probably because of Arnold, but I um I saw a few other things he's been in. I saw Detroit Rock City, which is a really fun movie, where it's like these four kids are Kiss fans and they're trying to go see like a Kiss show. And Edward Furlong is like the main one of the main characters in that one, and he's a lot of fun. And I know that I think that he's gone through some some problems in his life after this. Right. I think that he, but I, he's in movies again. He's doing movies again. As a, I saw on IMDb, then he's in a couple coming out. Um, but I think his performance is really solid here. It's raw and it's, it's important. And I think, uh, you know, I try to find flaws, but I can't, I think that his performance all the way through was completely believable. And he's just a kid. All there is to it. He's a kid who's sort of sarcastic and he's sort of just going through the motions. You know, I, I think that when he's supposed to be like 17 here, 18 here, something at yeah. that point, I think, Around that age is when I started to finally find a little bit of who I was. But before that, I, I think every year in high school, I was like, I was a freshman and I was trying to be cool and I wanted to be popular. And then my sophomore year, I told my dad, I was like, can you just not cut my hair anymore? Cause he's a barber. And he just like stopped cutting the back of my hair. So I, some, for some reason had a mullet. Uh, I don't know why yeah, that was dude. Yeah, and I you got a lot of comments about that. Junior year in high school, I actually soft, continued with sophomore year. I wore all black. I was, like, I was like, maybe I'm goth kid. And then junior year and senior year, I joined the the band in school, um, the jazz band, and I just realized, like, music's my passion. I ended up growing my hair out just because I wanted to. Um, a friend of mine had long hair. I wanted long hair. But going forward, I just realized that I think in college, I was like, I just, you know, just dressed like I wanted to. And it was like, Oh yeah, this is who I am now. But I think I looking at Edward Furlong's character in this movie, you seem like he's just about to hit that peak of like trying to figure out really who he is, or does he even really believe in this stuff? Because, you know, that, that, especially that scene where he's like talking to Ethan Suple and he's filming him and he's like, I want you to tell me what you learned. And he's like, just being super funny and sarcastic. And then finally, when he's like, you said earlier, when he's finally like, Tell me what you learned. Finally, he's like, okay, fine. Here's what I think. But he's not going out of his way so much to do that. So I don't know. It's a very interesting performance. So I went with my silver, uh, Ethan Suppley, who is a a character actor who's been in so much stuff. And especially at this time, you know, really like the early 90s to the late 90s, he was known as like the fat guy, basically. And then I think he was, yeah, he was still heavier, but he's lost weight. He looks great now. Good for him. Like he's he like now. Yeah. He's, he's like muscular. He's in a, he's in a new movie that came out this week with Channing Tatum in it. He's in the, uh, he's in the commercial and they're standing next to each other. And it's like, Oh, Ethan Suppley is more jacked than Channing Tatum. Good for him. Wow. Yeah. Guy looks like a power lifter. We Amazing. Did. Him and me, Ethan, call me. Uh, no, he's, um, you know, he, he gives a great performance here as like just an idiot. Like from the second you see him on screen, he's like playing basketball. He's like, oh, I can get him. I'm better than this. Uh, and then he's like singing his horrible racist song. Oh my God. And he's, he's, the window's open. He's like pounding his fist out the window. Yeah. It's like, and he's I mean, he, like, you just see this kid and it's like, oh, this is one of those guys 
that just also had no chance. He like whatever situation he's coming from has fucked him up entirely. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's I, I love to see him. He's a, he's a character actor. I like a lot. Uh, and I assume we probably know who gold is for both of us. Yep. And that's of course is Al Pacino. Al Pacino takes the cake here. He's yes. throughout the entire movie. You, you just really You just feel Al Pacino's presence throughout this entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting, and especially in the when he's you know Edward Norton's out there like lifting weights and stuff in, in jail and stuff. I just picture Pacino coming up being like, "Hey, wah. to me, Al, cock a doodle doo, just saying stupid things." <laughs> I heard uh, my baby mama. Beverly D'Angelo's in this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, Edward Norton um, is 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 my number one, and I'm I'm assuming yours. Yes. Um, he's he's just just I, I, I'm stumbling over my words because he's just so good. He just transforms, you know. He, I I think I saw him in like this was like maybe the first movie I saw him in, and then maybe Primal Fear. I think actually Primal Fear is what I saw in school. I think I did see that one that, in school. That makes more sense. And that one, you know, that yeah. performance is phenomenal. When you see American History X, and he's uh, he, and then Fight Club, he's like back to being kind of skinny again. It's like he he's a he's a he's a chameleon. You know, he really is. He can do a lot. And I think he's one of the finest actors I've ever seen. You know, he's got to be up there somewhere in the top something. He has a tendency to just like go spew off these dialogues and stuff and, 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 and monologues. And he's so good at it. And he, you believe every word he says, he's just, he's amazing. Yeah. A hundred percent agree with what you said there. You know, it's, you know, shame. He does have that reputation of being quote unquote difficult uh, to work with, but who knows what that means in Hollywood, you know, uh, Ed Norton, just a, a great performance with range and everything you look for in sort of this type of character, you know, it's, it's not a traditional leading man role. He, he you know, he, he's able to play both like detestable and uh, very you know, like redemptive, I guess, very, uh, you know, someone you want to root for all in the same performance. And it's, it's quite the accomplishment. Yeah, so, and, yeah, and, and okay. I'm, su- I'm surprised. I'm surprised up to this point we didn't mention the curb stomp scene, which is probably the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. But when that shot of Edward Norton turning around after he does that, and his arms are up in the air, and he just has a kind of like smirk, where he's like knows that what he did. Right. The performance is just it's heavy duty at that point. It's like man, he's 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 got it, you know. Whether whether you whether you you know are into neo Nazism or not, it's like wow, great performance. <laughs> You know, I was I was disappointed that there's uh, there's not a Nazi kill of the week in this movie, despite so many Nazis. I mean, Cameron gets punched in the face. That's the best we can get, I guess. Or at the end, I guess the the two hit Cameron and uh, Ethan Suplee's character. I guess they get like injured. Yeah, but it's not the Nazi injury of the week, right? <laughs> well, I guess you I get I guess you can go ahead and say that uh, Danny Vineyard is the Nazi kill of the week. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, but he was out by that point. Yeah, former kind of, Nazi kill of the week. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, too bad. I mean, if you know, if Brad Pitt and Inglorious Bass had anything to do with it, he'd carve swastikas in both of their heads. He doesn't want them to forget. Maybe he's the one who got fucking uh, 
who got Ethan Suppley and uh, uh, fucking Cameron. <laughs> it's the bastards. They got they're like they're, they're both like injured and caught. And they're like, "What's your name?" And he's like, "He's like, roll at me." <laughs> he's like, he's like leaning over him. He's like, "I'm gonna let you out of here, but before I do that, you gonna cover up those tattoos?" <laughs> Y'all heard of the bear Jew? <laughs> <laughs> Stacy Key just like oh, I'm. No, I'm never. I'll never cut like. And this was like, no, I'm gonna cover up my tattoos. I swear. Yeah, we don't like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think this is gonna be my best one yet. Well, that's uh, that's that's how the sequel goes. It's a crossover. Yeah. So let's go to recasting. Uh, I have Derek, Danny, Doctor Sweeney, and I have Cameron. I only have Derek and Danny. Okay. So quickly, uh, Dr. Sweeney, I went with Don Cheadle. He definitely do it. It commands respect. Yeah. And for Cameron, I have an actor that I like a lot. And he's, he always plays almost like the straight man. He plays a villain in a couple movies, but he's, he's usually just like the average everyday guy. And that who happens to do something, uh, you know, extraordinary. And that is uh, Patrick Wilson. Why can't I picture him? You definitely have seen him. He's in the like so many horror movies. He's in. Uh, he's the villain in Aquaman. Yeah, Patrick Wilson. He's. Oh, I know his face. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, who do you have for Danny? This was tough. Yeah. Danny and Derek were both very, very tough. Sure. Um, I went with actors who I could just envision in the roles. Um, no more than that. I went with Finn Wolfhard. Yeah, I actually have Finn Wolfhard as well. For, uh, okay. For yeah, I think that I mean it's tough to look at this age and say who could who could make a good like late teen sort of here, but he's got that. I think he's got a little bit of a versatility form going for him. I think sure. that he'd be the good Danny. So I went with that. Yeah, no, the same. There's there's a, a lot of actors right in that age range right now who it's like oh, I just kind of want to see what they want to do in a in a movie like this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, so let's talk with Derek. Who do we have? This was really tough because. You got to replace Edward Norton here. I mean, I'm looking at actors who are around the, the same age as Edward Norton during this 30 years old, just about. Yeah. Um, and I went with somebody who I used in the past, and I, I feel like he's becoming like a Rex guy. And I've only seen him in a few things, but I just feel like he's going to break out at some point and be the, a bigger actor. And that's uh, Nicholas Holt. I, I liked him. I envisioned him in this, and I think I think I like it. So I... Maybe you have somebody better than me, but I, I couldn't really uh, land somebody, you know, perfect. But I think that I like him in this. It's well, it's this is a tough role because I was like, I wanted to to use somebody who's been in stuff, has the potential to break out and be like a big name actor, sort of where Ed Norton was in his career. Like he had, you know, had one, you know, major major role. I feel like in, in Primal Fear and. Uh, you know, over the next couple of years would end up being you know huge. Um, so I went with Cameron Monaghan, somebody we've used a couple of times before. Mm-hmm. I think both of us used him at some point. Yep. But he's, I've seen him even Gotham. We, he essentially played the Joker. He's he, like two different types of Jokers. Really interesting what yeah. he did there. He's in Shameless, of course. He's not been in a ton of movies. So maybe he just wants to be on TV. Right. Which, hey, good for him. But if he wants to do movies, I think a role like this where you can kind of sink his teeth into it would be, would be interesting. Yeah. He was in click as a child. All right. He was like the neighbor. <laughs> he was in click as a child. 
Yeah. Fair enough. I like it. I like it. So uh, miscellaneous. Mine, we just, we've kind of danced around it. Basically, Ed Norton had final cut on this movie. Yep. Which is after the director didn't even want to cast him. And he had to be talked into it. And he was like, yep, this is my movie now. She tried to get his name off it and stuff. And he like the stream. The studio. And yeah. Then, yeah. But it's like clearly our both our favorite scene is like one that Ed Norton was like, we fucking need this in the movie for this reason. Like we need to show his family. Right. And like how it's being torn apart. And he's director's like, nope, we don't need that. I, I don't know what kind of fucking movie he'd want to put out. Like what would be in it. Um, it, yeah, that's not in this. That would maybe give context to that those relationships in a different way, or you know, what what's going on. But um, right. I, I think Ed Norton rightfully sort of won that battle, most likely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you have anything else for miscellaneous? Uh, I know that the and they initially offered the role to Joaquin Phoenix, who turned the role down for being too dark, and which is funny. He takes the Joker role later, and then I know that Edward Norton turned down Saving Private Ryan to be in this movie. Uh, that's according to IMDb trivia. I wonder what so role he would have had. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure, but uh, well, and, and also as far as Joaquin Phoenix, it's like he's in, you know, maybe this just it's it's too dark in the sense that like, what year did River Phoenix die? Does he want to be in a movie where he has a brother who dies at the end? Um, maybe yeah river phoenix dies in 93 this is so five years yeah not even because the, yeah. this movie started filming in early 97 and it was okay. wrapped pretty quickly it yeah. just went through a lot of delays so we're talking four years since his brother died yeah so maybe maybe it's that that didn't appeal to him um yeah maybe he's just in a certain spot in his career where he's you know not ready to do something like that because like you know he doesn't pretty God, well also he's that family was brought up in children of god so maybe there's the rape scene maybe that's just it's interesting to see what like what his line was yeah plus i mean maybe he thinks that you know, you play a role like that people start looking at you a little differently like you know i, I could understand that you know you sometimes you just play a certain role and they're like you're either typecast as that role or forever you're just the guy who was the nazi in a movie i don't know it could be a yeah. bunch of different reasons yeah I, I do wonder i'm curious as to like what specifically he was like not for me yeah Maybe you just didn't like the director, and then we came in. I was like, "I'm gonna have to fucking take over this movie if I go in this role." <laughs> All right, right. So let's go to the Oscars. This is a pretty infamous year in Oscar history, uh, where famously Shakespeare in Love wins Best Picture uh, over Saving Private Ryan. So this movie only gets does not get a whole lot of love from the Academy, but Ed Norton is nominated for Best Actor. Uh, that's really the only one that I that I saw the only nomination, which I found interesting. Yep. But let's go over the major categories here. Um, Shakespeare in Love, as we said, wins Best Picture. Uh, other nominees are Elizabeth, Life Is Beautiful, Saving Private Ryan, and The Thin Red Line. You're not a big fan of uh, Life Is Beautiful, right? I'm not. That's a movie yeah, I that I did have to watch. I took Italian, I took history, I took English, like I took. I, I don't know why I was shown in English class. You'd have to ask that teacher, but there were like four or five different classes where I had to watch this movie. So it just feels like homework to me. Yeah. I think I also saw it in school too. I, I liked it cause I didn't expect it, but I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw this in school as well. Yeah. And it's just uh, Roberto Benini just annoys me to no end. So I'd knock that one out, but if there's any others, um, 
you know, do we, do we want to get American history X into this category? Usually I'm kind of like, you know, so there's some movies where I'm like, ah, oh, they don't have to be there. I think this movie needs to be there. Yeah. I think it's powerful and big enough where like, you know, it should be viewed as, as, as a big movie. I don't know. I personally, you know I you know, wouldn't what are we thinking. Shakespeare in love should be knocked out of it. Yeah. Let's get rid of that Saving one. Saving private Ryan's promoted the winner and American history X is nominated instead. Best director. I mean, Spielberg wins future guest, Steven Spielberg, Steven, we just gave you another best picture. Steven, what is up with you, man? Like we're we just sitting just here waiting. This. I'm, my secretary has not said you've called whatsoever. I'm, I'm just disappointed at this point, but we love it. If your secretary called, I'd still be disappointed. I want you to call us. Come on. What are you no, doing? He's going to call my secretary. All right. Oh yeah, do that's you, right. Do you know what happens if a famous person calls you usually if it's like a business call? No. So if Steven Spielberg, for whatever reason, wanted to call us, the power move is they call you and it's not them calling you. It's like a secretary or an assistant calling you and go, please hold for Mr. Spielberg. And they put you on hold when they just called. Oh, that is a power move. It's the ultimate power move. Which is like, oh, like, well, I got to talk to Steven Spielberg, but I can't even get off the line. I can't even be like, no, I'm in the middle of something. Call me back later. No. I've gotten calls from from like doctor's offices and they're like, please hold. I'm like, you called me. <laughs> well, I'm not ready. It's bullshit. Anyway, Stephen, come on the show. We'll talk about how you call people, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so Spielberg wins for Saving Private Ryan. Um, other nominees are Roberto Benigni for Life is Beautiful, John Madden. I don't think that John Madden. But <laughs> yeah, I'm fairly certain it's not the football John Madden for Shakespeare right. in Love. Uh, Terrence Malick in The Thin Red Line and Peter Weir in The Truman Show. I'm surprised Edward Norton wasn't nominated for Best Director in this. Yeah, me too. So obviously, <laughs> you know, the director didn't want to take a credit for this movie. So not, we're not going to nominate him. Uh, lead actors said uh, Ed Norton is nominated. Other nominees are Roberto Benigni in The Life is Beautiful, Tom Hanks in Saving Private Ryan, Ian McKellen in Gods and Monsters, and Nick Nolte in Affliction. Roberto Benigni. Oh, he went. Oh, that's right. He won this one. Okay. Very interesting. He's like a he's like a real life, well, caricature of an Italian guy. Yeah, yes, he is. Not for not not beautiful. Not not my favorite movie. As we, as not not for Rick. Not for not Rick. for me. So, does Ed Norton win? Does Tom Hanks win? I'm surprised I'm gonna, Jim Carrey is not nominated for the Truman Show. To be honest. Right, right. I feel like he gets snubbed a lot. I, I personally, I think Edward Norton wins this year. This, this is this is his year for me. Uh, it's tough but to put him over Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is great, but how many how many times can you can you give Tom Hanks an Academy I mean, Award? How many times can you give Ed, Ed Norton an Academy Award? Uh, how many does he have as as best act? But I mean, like in our world, has Norton even even won? Pretty sure he hasn't. Let me see. Does he have an Oscar. Tom Hanks won two in a row. Yeah. Deserve it. <laughs> Deserve it. He is no he has no Oscar wins. He has three nominations. Yeah. But again, I, I think uh yeah, I, I just think Tom Hanks edges him out for me this year. I'm just saying that Edward Norton could have played that role in Saving Private Ryan, but Tom Hanks couldn't have played the American History X. That that that's where I'm coming from. I don't think twenty nine year old Ed Norton <laughs> can play I think he Tom. can. I, th- I think that he's he's got it. I think he just give him some makeup. He's good. But I guess we're at a standstill. I, yeah, I guess so. 
I mean, there's an alternate universe right there, which is like a Jack Tom Hanks with a swastika tattoo on him. <laughs> oh my god, that was such Getting a weird held movie. down in the shower. <laughs> god. Him just having like just ferocious sex with Feruza Bulk. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we haven't mentioned her. Who is who she is a fucking just She's just nuts in every movie she's in. <laughs> she's always, it's in her contracts, like, I have to be the craziest character on screen at all Seriously. Times. I mean, think of the movie she's been in where she's nuts. Like, especially in the 90s, that, this and the craft alone. Like, she just goes yeah. a bit bonkers in. But oh, boy. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, her and Tom Hanks are banging to open this movie. <laughs> Beverly, oh, Tom, what are you doing? <laughs> I think Al Pacino should have played the dad in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine it cuts back and it's not the dad from Boy Meets World. It's <laughs> Al Pacino. I'm just saying there were two white guys who tested higher that should have gotten the what job. What are the wrong books, Derek? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm a firefighter. Well, your teacher couldn't have shown you Mario Puzo's The Godfather. Yeah, which <laughs> definitely, definitely we got gold for that. This is my young son, the boy from Terminator 2. Uh, yeah, so that where where were we? We've lost track. Yeah. Um, no actresses. Anyone we want to consider best supporting? It really depends on who was nominated that year because maybe we could bounce somebody out. But well, who I, do you want to consider for, well, for this movie? I think Edward Furlong. I mean, he didn't make your top three; he made mine. I think he did a good job. Maybe not as good as some other people this year, so it's hard okay. to say. So uh, the winner is James Coburn in Affliction. Uh, our nominees are Robert Duvall in a Civil Action, Ed Harris in The Truman Show, Jeffrey Rush in Shakespeare in Love. And Billy Bob Thornton in a simple plan. Yeah, it would have been nice to see Edward Furlong in there just because there's just a bunch of old men got nominated that year. You know, it would have sure. been kind of nice to see a kid, you know, but, um, you know, I'm fine with the way it is. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to push too hard for any, any sporting action. This, I think this is, a, this is Ed Norton's movie through and through. Yep. yep. So what are you eating with this movie? What am I eating with are this movie? Are you just taking meat and shoving it into your face? Uh, yeah, I guess just getting some like roast beef and just shoving it in my face when I don't want it. Yeah, um, that's I guess <laughs> so you just call up like a like a pizza place and you're like, so I'm watching American History X. <laughs> yep, yep, right in the face, right, in the, yeah, it, yep, all over my mouth and nose. Yeah, yeah, pretty. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's really no other like food things in this movie, but I, I will say that I I do feel for Ethan Suplay in this movie because I have felt his hunger. And he's like, can we please go? I'm fucking yeah, starving. I, I get it. I get that three times a day. So yeah. just <laughs> come on. Yeah. So maybe some jelly beans. Throw I guess throw away the black one like uh, Ethan Souplay does, yeah. which is so ridiculous. <laughs> well, to be fair, like that's the one time I agree with him because those like the black jelly beans are disgusting. So you think it's really about the taste? It was the he's like, I'm not a licorice guy. I'm what? getting rid of this one. It's <laughs> but- not about racism. <laughs> I feel like that's the, like, if this movie ends up being a comedy, it's like, it ends, like, Ed Norton's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not racist anymore, or whatever. And he's like, picks out the black jelly bean. He's like, no, no, I just hate black licorice. I just hate black licorice. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what else we could possibly eat here. I mean, I think that's it. All right. 
So now comes the most important part of the show, and that is when I put 30 seconds on the clock, and Derek tells us why American History X is the greatest movie of all time. Derek, are you ready? Yes, I am. All right. Three, two, one, go. American History X, 1998, directed by Edward Norton. (laughs) So this is one of the most powerful movies I've ever seen. Um, I do gravitate towards this movie for its, you know, for its theme, for uh, the acting, for the storytelling here, the, every, the the camera shots. I like everything about this movie, but specifically the acting and the intensity. Uh, I think everyone should go see this movie. I know it's hard to watch all movies, but this one's one you don't want to miss. All right. That is time. Excellent job, Derek. As usual, go check this one out. Let us know what you think. And Rick, I do have a quick American History X story for you. Okay. All right. So this is pretty ridiculous. Back in the day, me and previous uh, guests on the show, Steve Constantino, were sitting down chatting about some of our favorite movies. I said to him, I really love American History X. And he said, I remember that movie. It's pretty intense and crazy, but I should definitely give it a rewatch. I said, we should definitely rewatch it. I went through my entire DVD case trying to find it for a swatch. For some reason, I couldn't find it. So what I said, I said, let's go to the store and buy it and watch it. He said, okay, let's do that. We went to, uh, I believe we went to Target, and then I believe we went to Best Buy, and neither places had it. My bright idea said, oh, Tedeschi down the street has like a little bin of DVDs for like a dollar. Maybe it's in there. We go to Tedeschi, couldn't find it. And I'm not even joking, Rick. This is a true story. Me and Steve go up to the front counter, talk to the kid who's working behind the counter, who we love. This kid's awesome. He happens to be uh, black. And me and him had this thing where, like, I, you know, those, um, I think they're like mallow cups. Like, it's a yellow package. Like, yeah. Reese's, Reese's cups. They have marshmallows in them. Sure. I, I, I kind of basically made that kid eat them because I was like, you're going to love them. And he ended up liking them a lot. But, anyways, that was our little thing, those mallow cups. But I, I went up there and I keep in mind, Steve is completely bald and has a, a beard and kind of looks like a neo Nazi anyway. We went up to the, the guy and we said, hey, do you know if American History X, the DVD, is in that bin over there? Because we really want to watch it. Two white guys <laughs> asking this black guy, if he knows American History X is in it, because we really want to watch it. I think the joke, because it wasn't a joke. I think it went way over his head. And he was like, no, I was like, keep looking. He might be in there. But we walked out, got in the car, and we both were like, damn, that sucks. that We can't watch this movie. And then I turned to Steve and said, do we just really do that? And he was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And we both just realized what we had done. And it was really awkward and stupid. But I think the bigger problem was thinking that I could find a DVD that I wanted in a, yeah. uh, a Tedeschi DVD bin. <laughs> Yeah, Tedeschi and, for it's regional, but for those who don't know, it's it's like a Seven Eleven. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. you don't go there for DVDs. Yeah, it's not uh, a place for DVDs. You go there for Mallow Cups and, and Big Gulps. Exactly. All right, so that's been our episode on American History X. Uh, next week we get back to a much more fun movie, I would say, uh, with Clerks. Be a very different conversation, although it's both in black and white. It's in black and white, like this one mostly is. Uh, and it's from the 90s, of course, is why we're doing it back-to-back, because otherwise they have zero similarity. Uh, but after that, after Clerks, we take the Pesci Challenge. Pesci Challenge. Which, uh, for Derek, what, you know, as Derek explained last week, is because it sounds like Pepsi. I'm so smart. 
Yes. Great job. Uh, we get we increase our dosage each week, basically, of Joe Pesci uh, when we go with a Bronx Tale, and then we go Casino, and then we go My Cousin Vinny, where my brother Anthony will be on the show to help us break that one down. Yep. So we have a fun few weeks coming up. Derek, what do you have scheduled for the greatest album of all time podcast? Well, we just dropped uh, 21 by Adele yesterday, and that was a lot of fun. You rolled right in that deep. We rolled right. Yeah. Rumor has it that the next one we're going to do is going to be either a Beatles album. We're going back to our third Beatles album, I think. Or we might take uh, another another direction and go with one of my favorite albums of all time, which is Asia by Stilly Dan. So we're not really sure. We might do both. We film both at the same time and then drop them each time we're ready to drop them. But I would say that either Stilly Dan or Beatles are next. And then after that, I'll probably go back to Zeppelin. Cause I think we're due for another Zepp. So, and uh, Rick wants you to do one with us. I just need to figure out how yeah. to record this unless you want to come over for one, because we have the, the, the mic set up. Um, yeah, we should, do some, we should do some uh, some of these in, in person. Uh, yeah, maybe we could well. do some of the movie ones. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. So we'll figure that out. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening this week and every week. We hope check us out, recommend us to your friends. We're having a lot of fun. We hope you're having a lot of fun with us. I have been your co-host, of course, Rick Barrasso, and I have been your co-host, the big. Deck Boski. Keep watching, everyone.